It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is going to be filling in on Connecting Winnipeg for the rest of the week. And since McNabb is not with us at the moment, I, I feel like we need to perhaps channel what I am sure is some elation, at least on her own personal part. And I know that one of her boys is a fan. She's not. To see the Toronto Maple Leafs go down in the first game of their second round series. And how about all those Paul Maurice haters out there who thought, Paul Maurice, that's why the Jets stunk, why they couldn't get to that next level, that next step in their development was because of Paul Maurice. We'll never know if that was the case or not, but he's doing a pretty darn good job by all appearances as the Florida Panthers win their fourth straight playoff game not only coming back from a 3-1 deficit against the record-setting Boston Bruins they go into Toronto last night and they win game one of that playoff series four to three I believe is score there excellent stuff yeah I was so when I checked checked the NHL scores this morning and I saw that the Florida Panthers winning again the Seattle Kraken in their what, only their second year in the league, second year in the league, yes, and they upset the defending Stanley Cup. By the way, I was four two Panthers over the Maple Leafs, not four three. The Kraken upset the defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche in the first round, and then go uh, down to Dallas. Excellent team in Dallas. They go up four two. Dallas ties it four four. Dallas so good at coming back in games and tying games when they're behind. They force overtime. But uh, Yanni Gord, the world famous Yanni Gord, <laughs> Seattle Kraken uh, scores in overtime last night, and so now the Kraken are ahead in that series, one game to nothing. They've stolen home ice advantage away from the Dallas Stars, so. Uh, things go from interesting to even more interesting real quick in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, indeed. With the Jets gone, obviously, that takes away that sort of, you know, the the, the home team to cheer for. But there are a lot of interesting storylines in the Removes Stanley the Cup Removes the stress, playoffs. too, Brett. Kind of. And I, I sort of felt that on Friday. We came in to do the show. We were obviously hoping to be discussing a, a Jets victory, moving into a six-game that didn't happen, and I expected that we would be angry and that we would be deflated, and of course we were. And yet, I th- as the morning went on, I-, I felt like it was like just the, the balloon was sort of deflating uh, or the balloon of pressure was sort of deflating. I don't know. It just felt like a, a weight was off the shoulders. I don't really know how to describe it. I, I just I, I, it was almost relief, and I feel guilty saying that. But you're right; it's the stress is gone. I think there's two reasons for that. I'm not playing psychologist, but for myself, two things for me. The first was that the Jets really weren't expected. Uh, they have the talent. They could have upset or beaten the Golden Knights. There were lots of pundits who who were suggesting that that the Jets moving on to the second round wouldn't be an upset. But at the same time, a lot of people know, knew that things weren't just right with this team. And there's lots of things going on. And so had they won, it would have felt like maybe a little bit of a mirage, I think, for a lot of folks. And so now the healing can begin. The road to retooling, if that's what ends up happening can also begin, and I think there are a lot of Jets fans who are anticipating, as disappointed as they are in the results of last year, I think there are a lot of Jets fans really anticipating what happens this summer in terms of moving into next season 
And do the Jets make those big changes that a lot of changes that a lot of people think they need to make? So coming up at seven fifty-five, we've got our Wednesday Jets report. Paul Edmonds has a few thoughts on the reality of bowing out in the first round of the playoffs. So again, that's coming up at seven fifty-five. Also today, one of the things we are going to be discussing is quality customer service, and we'll get more into this at six forty-five. But GMAC, you had a, a terrific experience, and as soon as you mentioned the company, I, I wasn't surprised given how. Uh, amazing their products are, but uh, you had a great interaction with Dyson. I did, and it's a product that we love in our home. We have a central vacuum cleaner, but it's got that great big long 12-foot hose. We hang it in the garage. It's a pain in the neck to pull out. The Dyson's nice and handy. It sits on that charger. You whip it out for spot cleaning, or you can do a larger job if you need to. And so we have two dogs. One dog does not shed at all. The other dog uh, purportedly did not shed. Yeah, well, that was a lie. (laughs) Sheds like, I I don't even know. I'm looking for an analogy here. Sheds like a a dog that sheds a lot. How's that? And so we deal with uh, the dust bunnies and the little little clumps and tornado uh, remnants of, of, of dog <laughs> hair that gather in the corner, tumbleweeds. <laughs> tumbleweeds. And so uh, I know pretty much how to service that Dyson for the most part, but it stopped working on me last week. I sent an email. They sent me a phone number. I called the phone number. Oh, this is the U.S. number. Here's the Canadian number. The Canadian number was an IVR. Blah, blah, blah. I got caught in voicemail jail, and I sort of gave up because I didn't have time to deal with it. Monday afternoon, I get a text message from Dyson asking me, has your problem been rectified? Pardon me? <laughs> No, it has not. Oh, there's somebody on the chat line. If you want to click this link, let's see if we can get that fixed for you. Was it a real person? I'm not sure. It seemed like it was. Whether it was or not does not matter because they gave me instructions on how to disassemble the power head that I had no idea about. Disassemble? They gave me some advice to check in certain places in in that tool that I had not checked and that ended up being the cause of my problem. Oh, great. And so now I'm a little bit of an expert. I'm going to open a Dyson repair. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was incredible because those machines are not inexpensive. I was frustrated with the product and frustrated with the fact that I, you know, the ways that I had got it working in the past, cleaning the air filter and checking certain points on the machine to make sure that they weren't clogged. I learned a lot and it was painless and it, it, and it came out of nowhere, which really is unusual for a company to reopen a potential wound and to say, did we fix that for you or not? And when the answer is no, they were prepared to walk me through the steps to fix it. That's nice. So at 645, we'll talk more about great customer service and just very quickly on the Dyson front. When uh, over 10 years ago, when I bought a house with my then uh, girlfriend, (laughs) the look on her face when I told her, okay, I don't want you to get upset, but I bought this vacuum and it cost 800 and it cost $900. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's the, it was the Dyson pet hair. That's the one I have. Yeah. Yeah. The V10 or whatever I think it's called now. I don't know what number you would have had back uh, then. I don't know, but it was, well, we had two cats and a dog and I'm allergic to all of it. So it was amazing. It was a killer vacuum. It was so good. 
And uh, see, I've since uh, tra- swapped with my, my sister has it because she has the pets and I don't have any pets anymore. So I don't need the pet hair one. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb's on Connecting Winnipeg for the rest of the week, but she will join us at 735 to discuss customer service because this was inspired by a recent experience Greg had that was a positive one. And in case you're just tuning in and missed it earlier, Greg, just give us a recap. What happened? So we've got one of those Dyson V10 pet hair collectors, as Cat uh, and Gimli says, um, dust buffaloes is what a knitting blogger t- calls those little tumbleweeds of uh, of pet fur that collect in your corner and underneath your furniture. Yeah, so we have dust buffaloes all the time from our, our, our second favorite <laughs> dog, Whiskey. And so this is a godsend, this tool, this Dyson, because you can just spot clean and, you know, you just... You just do a little quick little job. Well, it stopped working on me, and it does that from time to time. The air filter gets clogged up. You wash it out. You let it dry. Away you go. I went down a, a, a route of asking for help through customer service. Long story short, I sort of hit a dead end with Canadian customer service, and then out of the blue on Monday, I got a text message. Hey, did we fix your problem? Press one for yes, two for no. I press two and it says, click here and uh, let's see if we can help you out. I press two. Yes, it was a chat. I don't know if it's a robot or human being on either side. Bottom line was after about 20 minutes, my Dyson was working perfectly again. And I'm very well educated now on the other places that the hair can collect inside that machine. So uh, bravo to Dyson for not just letting me go away peacefully. And saying, hey, did we fix your problem or not? Because there's a lot of companies that would not bother. So 204-780-6868, your great customer service experiences. Also, just um, earlier, Greg, you were uh, I mentioned that I once upon a time had a Dyson pet hair, and uh, I mixed them up. You, you, you've got the, like the, the sort of spot, like the handheld one that you can just sort yeah, of... The, yeah, hang it on the wall, okay. recharge it, recharge Yeah, mine was like the full vacuum, oh. like the, the, with the, 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 that I had to drag around and whatnot, but I think, but it's still, anyway, it was awesome. They're, they're, Dysons are awesome. So, great customer service. Let's go around the horn here. Cameron Poitras, let's start with you, good sir. Ah, uh, well, uh, the Winnipeg Football Club. Honestly, every time that I've ever had any sort of interactions with the Bombers, uh, I'm a Valor FC ticket, a season ticket holder. If you have not gone to a Valor FC game and and you, you you may think you're a soccer fan, make sure you head to a game very, very shortly. It is an absolute blast. Um, and anytime I have any questions or any con- – I, I never really have any concerns, but anytime I have any questions or have to go through anything or, or purchase something, I, I, f- I get somebody immediately, and I always – leave that interaction feeling like I'm really an important part of the club and, and the organization as well. Um, I, I have to hand it to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because I find their customer service is absolutely fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Carol Barrett? Yeah, well, of course. Of course. Like, she's she's just, she's awesome. She, she, she should, really she is awesome. She should start her own consulting firm and go around <laughs> and teach uh, different businesses how to provide top-level customer service. She, she's infamous in the city. How many people does she have an interact interaction with in this province every single Thousands. every single year? And everybody goes off feeling good and and um, and it's it's top down. I mean, it's 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 just an it's just a well uh, run organization, and I've never had any complaints, and I've always always left um, left left whatever the interaction was, feeling like I. Everything was taken care of, and it always worked out. I never had to. There was never any issues. 
Sarah McCarthy, what about you? Yeah, mine has to do with my apartment building. So after a few months, maybe two months after I'd moved in, I come home from work one day and I hear this chirping, the beep, beep, beep. <laughs> and it's the fire alarm. So it needs the battery replaced. I've just moved in. I don't have those special batteries to replace them with. I don't have that yet. I don't even have like all the condiments in my fridge or anything like that. <laughs> so why would I have I'm batteries? I'm missing ketchup. I don't have this <laughs> exactly. battery. So then I'm like, well, it's like nine o'clock at this point. I'm like, probably maintenance couldn't, isn't going to be able to come. But I text my landlord anyways. I'm like, hey, I know this isn't like an emergency. It's more of an annoyance for me. Like I can just sleep on my couch because it was the one in my bedroom, of course. Um, and nope, she's like, no, no, it's all good. I'll send a maintenance guy right over. And yeah, they have some on site. So yeah, he just by my door in five minutes. Amazing. Here's a battery. I'm like, thank you so much. Oh, that is fantastic. So, yeah. did, did you have a ladder to, to change it? I did it? not. I had a chair though. Oh, for, <laughs> so well, you be, be careful there. on that. Yeah. So the moral of the story is we need uh, smoke detectors detectors yeah. that run on ketchup and or mustard. Yes, yeah, exactly. that would really work. <laughs> Um, hey, at least it happened at 9 p.m. and yeah. not like 3 a.m. No, for sure. That's happened to me where I woke up in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah, trying to enjoy worst. my sleep on the weekend and this mm -hmm. stupid smoke alarm starts to beep at me. And yeah, terrible. Mm -hmm. um, Forte, what about you? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, after the Jets game, uh, the whiteout party and all that going down, we went to Tavern United. Sarah was with me. Oh, yeah. A yeah. bunch of us met up afterwards. And, uh, and I felt bad for the waitress because she, <gasps> Sarah was sitting beside me. <laughs> And the waitress comes. I know in. Sarah's a handful. It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> the waitress comes in. I, I don't know what, what kind of sauce was it, but she accidentally <sighs> spilt sauce on my yeah. white Jets jersey right oh, on the right no. sleeve. And I'm going, oh, no. And, like, she felt bad. The waitress felt terrible. And she's going, like, like what can I do? What can I get you? Like, I was like, oh, if I can get a towel. She gets me a, uh, a wet towel, and I'm wiping it off. And uh, she's like, what can I do? And I was like, no, no, it's all good. It's an accident. Like, you didn't mean to do it. <laughs> And she's like, no, I'm getting you something. So I got a bunch of free drinks. And uh, <laughs> oh, that, that yeah. happened. And uh, yeah, it was a good night. It was a good night. <laughs> Did it stain the jersey? No, I got, I got the stain out once I got home. Win-win. Mm. Great, great night. What did you use? Like OxyClean or something? What was your magic potion? Uh, what's called Resolve? Like, oh, first, yeah. First, I used yeah. Resolve. And you know what? That actually didn't get it out all the way. So the next morning, I used dish soap. And I just washed it. The blue, oh, blue yeah. dawn, blue dawn, uh, blue dawn. Man, that stuff is magic. It is magic. That'll do it. It's the Windex of the um, <laughs> dish soap world. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Um, so, Macklin, you've already shared your Dyson story, but is there any, are any others that jump to mind? You know what? I'm all, I'm continually impressed with uh, outstanding customer service, and uh, so I didn't think about anything else. But it's such a hallmark of a, of a of a good business. I was always proud at at, at Earl's that. Um, well, I'll never forget the night. This is not a pat on the back for myself. It's a pat on the back for the people that I worked with and the culture that was fostered. And I, I think that taught me a lot back in the 90s. And I'll never forget the night that we overcooked somebody's steak at Earl's on St. James Street. And I was the manager. I was walking around making sure everybody was enjoying their meal. And one of our regulars said, Greg, my steak's overdone, man. He says, I don't usually complain. You guys always say no more. Took his plate away. We made it right and uh, did a couple of things in order to make sure that the customer knew it and uh, that, that we appreciated and apologized. 
And it was something that's lived with me for now over 30 years, what that customer said to me. He said, you know, Greg, anybody can sell a steak. Anyone can try and cook it. But not everyone steps up and makes it right when it's not done correctly the first time. Hmm. And he says, that's why I come back here. Because I know if anything isn't quite right, you'll fix it. And that just, I don't know, just always have carried that with me as a badge of honor and uh, that's the kind of the culture that I've always wanted to work in or create in places that I've worked at or managed. Like going through this, and, and you guys send the email out every day, and, you know, uh, you know, with the topic and what we're going to talk about for the the having coffee talking. Here's a little uh, what goes on behind the scenes here. But like, if, if we did this one on like bad customer service, this, I, I got a lot more examples of that. So, but of course but, we do, but, right? You know what? But the thing is, is like, or or am I just looking at it? Do I just remember the really, really bad instances of customer service, and then just forget the other eighty percent where I'm I'm given really good customer service? There's a belief in the customer service world that if you have a negative experience, you'll tell ten friends. Yeah. If you have a positive interaction, you might tell one. Yeah, I was just talking about talking to uh, Chris about this yesterday at the Frisky Pearl. He's uh, that restaurant is open in the Old Earls on Main location, and uh, we were talking about that very phenomenon that we're reluctant almost to say good things, to to say positive things. So that's why we're asking you today at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight to tell us about a great customer service interaction that you've had for a chance to win some Jagged Little Pill tickets, award-winning musical coming to Winnipeg in October at the Centennial Concert Hall. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. It's Mackling and McGarry McNabb's Unconnecting Winnipeg for the rest of the week. I'm looking at other uh, weather forecasts. That suggests the wind may be not quite up to 50, but... Uh, okay. <laughs> you're hanging your hat. You're, you're absolutely gorgeous. The peg hat on that, are you? I, I hope so. That's uh, typically what we do. We'll look at five different forecasts and go with the one that we like the most. <laughs> the one you like the best. <laughs> well done. We're asking you about good customer service. We want to hear your good customer service stories, your great customer service stories. And we got one from loyal listener Wade, who's in Nova Scotia. We had our house in and they did an amazing job. So I wrote a Google review. The owner called and thanked me, stating, we normally only hear negative. So it was nice for the guys and the company to get a positive feedback online. Later in the week, I got a $50 Tim's card with a thank you note. That's fantastic. And it's a good reminder. It's one of those things that I always mean to do is write. Because I, you know, I always try to say thank you and make sure that while I'm there in whatever place I'm in, that they, they know that I'm happy. And if it's, a, if it's in a situation like a restaurant where you can leave a tip, I try to leave a, a decent tip, but those Google reviews really do go a long way in helping, especially if you get, if they have, like they, they say, if you're used to bad reviews and you go, you look up a place up and it's just bad reviews, you might not go. So like I've got out, I've been meaning to write a positive Google review for a place called Barrier Bay Resort. It's a nice little romantic getaway in the Seven Sisters region of uh, the White Shell for like four years now, five years maybe. I think since 2018, DJ and Erica out there, they they run a great shop and I've, I got to write that review. You got eight <laughs> minutes right now. Better late than never. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb joins us in a moment. Just a heads up that it's Wednesday, so at 7.55, we're going to hear our Paul Edmonds Winnipeg Jets 
commentary. He wants to weigh in on the reality of the Jets bowing out in the first round of the playoffs. But this morning we have been celebrating customer service champions and victories. Some top shelf service text here from Shirley who says, I experienced excellent customer service at the Misericordia Eye Center in Winnipeg this year, having cataracts removed from both eyes. Upon entering, I was greeted, given a special mask, and directed to the registration desk. From there, I was guided every inch of the way by volunteers or staff to the operating room. My identity and which eye was being done was doubly checked. Procedures were explained, questions answered. I felt safe and totally cared for and relaxed both times. So kudos to this team We know any discussion around customer service will inevitably lead to discussions around poor customer service. I knew I was going down a dark path if I stumbled on a table of customers talking about bad customer service. It's like, uh uh-oh, they're not happy. Because if they're not getting good service at the time, that's where their conversation goes. And so that was always a warning light to me. But I also know that when I'm out shopping or eating and I ask to speak a manager, the the look of horror and concern on the face of the clerk, salesperson, or server immediately shifts to one of, what did I do wrong? And almost always, I'm asking to speak to somebody who needs to know that I've experienced excellent service. I think it's important for businesses to know when they're doing things great. Loren McNabb joins us now. Loren McNabb of The Start. Good morning, (laughs) Loren. Good morning, Greg and Brett of The Start. How are we today? We're well. We're missing you. You're going to be filling in for Hal today, tomorrow, and Friday. So we figured we better find a way to get Loren on her her own show here today. I think it went the other way. I think I said, I'm coming on. Um, But I... I was listening to you guys talk throughout this morning and just now about just, you know, whether you give those compliments or whether you pass on complaints. And so I wanted to ask you, you talked about how you try to give that feedback, Greg, but have you ever actually gone online to leave a review or called back after you had a good or bad experience? Oh, yes, absolutely. To the point now where there are at least two organizations that send me emails regularly. (laughs) Please review this product. Okay. And (laughs) Brett, how about you? I don't go. I don't do it enough. I think I've left one or two Google reviews that were positive. Uh, negative reviews. I, I don't think I've ever voiced that, uh, like in a sort of a permanent position online. Maybe like in, in my Instagram story or something. But uh, usually, if I if I'm ticked off, I'll just pick up the phone, or I'll let them know in person. Well, that social media review is kind of like the new review in some respects, right? Because it maybe can go farther. But as we have heard over the last year about rising frustrations with all sorts of things that, you know, the supply chain may be struggling to keep up or the fridge, the tires you order, you know, it's going to be months before you get it. The quality of products, some people might argue, has suffered. Of course, cost weighs in, service weighs in. You know, there's all sorts of shortage of workers out there. And so we know that maybe people have questioned about the quality of service. And so I do think it's perhaps easier now than ever before to lodge a complaint. You mentioned maybe on Instagram, so you can do that, let alone going to a review site. But there's another step that, you know, people can take that you might not know about, although it sure sounds like a lot of Canadians do know about this. And that's going to the Better Business Bureau. So when Greg mentioned yesterday he had this great experience uh, with the vacuum company, I thought, let's go find out what they're hearing out there from consumer associations and other about what the customer is saying. So just for people who don't know, the Better Business Bureau 
the BBB, it gives consumers information about businesses and charities as well. And they will, you know, charge you a accreditation process and then take a look at your practices as a business and then give a seal of approval if they feel it meets certain standards. So as a result, they also deal with reviews and complaints. And that could be a dispute with a phone company. I don't know, put up your hand if you've ever had one of those. Uh, it could be deceptive advertising that's upsetting you. You might be concerned about the product or have an issue with the new car you just bought or the sales task tactic. And so I went to the BBB and asked what they're hearing from consumers these days. So first of all, when it comes to overall complaints, they gave me data going back 10 years. And maybe you guys can help me out with this. I don't know what was going on in 2014, but that was the year both Manitoba and Canada frankly, recorded some of the highest number of calls and complaints hmm. until, any guesses? <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so of course, pandemic times had us all sorts of questions being asked. And in Manitoba and Northern, Northern Ontario, the BBB took more than 1,700 calls or emails back in 2014. That was their highest number, and it dropped, you know, 1,500, 1,600 until 2020 when they had nearly 2,000 complaints in this province. And Canada-wide, again, the pandemic year two, 2021, saw tens of thousands of complaints. And so something's been going on in the last three years for sure. Either people are just more aware more easily able to express their frustrations or those frustrations are real. And so there are also reviews that come into the BBB and cross country over the past three years, Canadians are dropping all sorts of comments. They could be good. They could be bad. They can be neutral. It's just feedback. It doesn't always mean these reviews are people who are unhappy, but in this region, some data that the better business bureau provided stood out. So in 2021, 29% of the reviews were negative. The rest were positive. So still positive outweighs the negative. But then last year, that 29% jumped to 35% of reviews were negative. And now so far this year, 38% of the comments coming in are not in favor of the business. And so these are just numbers. At 11.05, as I fill in for Hal, I'm going to ask the Better Business Bureau, you know, why? What are they hearing? And I have to wonder... Is it, you know, we keep hearing people are more frustrated these days, but I wonder if cost weighs in. Are people just questioning the cost of everything more, feeling like they might be getting scammed or short service? Hmm. Or is it really about the product at the end? And I, I don't know what you guys think about that, because I, I wouldn't often call in about the cost about, of something unless I think the product broke down and I thought I paid for a good product and, you know, then had my issue. Well, maybe the word is value. That could be it. Yep. You know, right? The cost of the, the product, the, the customer service or the customer experience that goes with purchasing that product is only uh, one part of the equation. We've been talking about excellent customer service this morning, but I think maybe people in these tough economic times are looking at things a little bit differently. Uh, something that they've purchased, uh, they don't want it necessarily to be disposable any longer, right? There's 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 quality and there's a price and you don't often get both. And so uh, that word value comes into it. And I just wonder if people are, Brett, examining the whole idea of value a little bit more over the last several years. Yeah, that could be it. I mean, for example, if I go to, I don't know, McDonald's and I, and I get some fries and I'm driving home and eating the fries and realize that they're kind of cold, I'm not turning around and taking them back because whatever, a couple of bucks for some fr fast food fries, no big deal. But if I'm sitting in a restaurant and my food is cold or it's not up to it's not up to snuff especially with the you know cost 20 to 25 dollars just to get a, sure. a sandwich and fries now um i'm if it's not good enough i'm sending it back because i'm not 
because of that cost, because I'm not getting the value for what I'm about to hand over in the cash transaction. And I don't know about you guys in terms of what you look for, but the BBB, because they have that accreditation, I have gone on there before when I'm about to do some work with a business in terms of, you know, you're contracting out a service, you know, doing a renovation, maybe a deck or that kind of thing to see what the reviews or complaints might be on there about that business. And I do check out reviews a lot more now than maybe perhaps before. And I'm talking for everything from face creams. I mostly want the face cream company to tell me it's going to make me look 20 years younger in five <laughs> five seconds and I can't I've yet to find that review Brett but I do find myself checking to see what other people are saying way more than I might have before and I don't know what that's about maybe that's an age thing or just that I like you said Greg I, I come to expect more not more for less no but if I'm paying more and it feels like we are on a wide variety of fronts and I have questionable service or the product doesn't last or maybe you you do think something shady is going down. I, you you do feel like you need to pay more closer attention to these things now. I'm a super loyal shopper, so I have loyalty to uh, the places that I go, but also to the brands that I purchase within those establishments. And the other day I went and bought something and I stood in the aisle for a solid six, seven minutes looking at reviews of a product, it was something that I was prepared to pay, I think about 120 bucks for. But I stood and I went through a bunch of different reviews and ultimately decided not to purchase something that was actually sitting in my in my online cart for the same company that I was prepared to have delivered to my house, but I happened to be in the store for another reason and I decided against it and I haven't given it another thought. And that's not something typically on a hundred dollar purchase that I would be doing, I would be trusting my experience with that company, with that brand name versus, you know, sort of contracting that idea out and those thoughts out to other people via online reviews. And on the flip side, you know, one of the questions I'll ask the Better Business Bureau at 1105 is, is the challenge that presents for businesses because there's all this feedback out there. You can be, you know, your industry could be made, made or broken by you know a couple of handful of complaints maybe you had a bad moment or one bad staff member or how, however that goes and it really can come back to bite you and so this constant feedback that we're in this world of constant feedback how is that helping or hurting some small businesses more on connecting winnipeg after 1105 loren's going to speak with the bbb and loren will touch base with you again just before 10 o'clock uh, yes, I forgot about that. But You don't yes. have to if you don't want to. <laughs> I was like, why? Oh, right. Yes, yes. I will be absolutely ready. I'll be ready to do the sports tees, the weather, and the tee-up of Connecting the Winnipeg at 9.55. How's that sound? Your customer service is average at best at this yeah. point. <laughs> and there's the review. Three stars? Two and a half stars? Three. Three max. Three? above average. Uh, Loren McNabb will have more coming up on Connecting Winnipeg today from 10 until 12, filling in for Hal Anderson for the rest of the week. And, and, and Loren did make a good point. Yeah, the I might not do the Google reviews, but uh, you know my Instagram feed is basically half food or half locally purchased clothing or hats, like uh, you referenced the peg hat that I'm wearing. I got a picture of that somewhere on my Instagram. <laughs> Now, earlier this morning, we shared with you this story. Almost nine months after the vacant house next to hers burned, a Winnipeg woman wants more action on cleaning up the mess. Now, we have some thoughts and reaction to the situation from somebody who worked within this process for years. 
Here's Global's Catherine Dornian and the story on what's being done to tackle this ongoing problem of derelict buildings. This house next door to Tracy Ball burned to the ground in August. Nine months later, not only is the wreckage still here, it's become a dumping ground. It just feels like no matter how hard any of the neighbours and I try to clean it up, fix it up and take care of our places, this mess just keeps growing. It smells of burnt, rotting wood and she says it significantly decreased the value of her home. Bylaw officers have come by to replace the fences, but there have been two more fires on this lot since then. One started in the car, another in the garage. And it's taking its toll on Tracy. I have felt defeated, scared. Matter of fact, the stress of it, well, it may not be the only factor. I had a heart attack last week. Vacant building fires in Winnipeg have gone up exponentially, with 32 so far this year. The city recently began charging owners of vacant buildings for firefighting costs if they burn down. According to Assistant Chief Scott Wilkinson at WFPS, they've issued nine invoices so far, ranging from just under 5000 to over a hundred grand. The intent is to help incentivize owners, property owners, to take responsibility for properties and to properly secure them and ultimately hopefully revitalize them for, for housing. If the owner doesn't pay, the cost will end up on their tax bill. But cleanup is another matter. Councillor Rollins says there are consequences for not dealing with dereliction, but they're not always visible. A lot of the neighbors' frustration can be that they they don't see um, the trajectory of enforcement that is marching on with increased fines, with increased penalties. Rollins says a new report will be out this summer with recommendations on how to better enforce this. But in the meantime, people like Tracy are stuck living next to it. In the interim, how long do we leave houses like this? How much more now does it grow? How much more crime is there because of it? Catherine Dornian, Global News. So we want to share with you now the thoughts of a former Winnipeg City Councillor. This very well thought out uh, email and it, it lays things out very nicely. We want to share it with you, these thoughts. The city won't issue a demolition permit unless you have a redevelopment plan. Most of the owners don't have the wherewithal to redevelop, but hate the idea of the buildings just sitting there and becoming fire traps. The city used to issue development permits as long as you made the property safe and landscaped it to provide some decent aesthetics. Today, the city will send a fire crew to put out a fire, then leave a burnt out building. The cost of the fire crew is attached to the property taxes. And in most cases, the city will eventually take the property through the vacant and derelict building taking title process, Brett. Now, the fact that the cost of providing, this note goes on to say, the fact that the cost of providing fire protection is already covered by property taxes, and this is probably an unconstitutional discriminatory practice or an illegal tax, doesn't seem to even be on anyone's radar. The taking title process takes years, and the burnt-out building sits as an eyesore while the process unfolds. Why doesn't the city just give permits to demolish the buildings with a landscaping standard attached? Maybe use a deposit to ensure the landscaping is done. If no deposit is preferred and the landscaping standard isn't maintained, then the city can maintain it and add the cost of the tax bill. At least now the eyesore is gone before the taking title process starts. The city also has the power to expropriate these properties. If they are clustered in certain areas, this is a great opportunity to create affordable housing and build strong communities. This email concludes the newly announced Federal Housing Accelerator Fund would be a great tool to help accomplish this. Time to smarten up and take an outcomes-based approach 
to this problem. Thank you for sharing that with us. Or I know exactly who this came from, but uh, just based on the fact that this individual is a former city councillor, I'd like to keep his identity uh, private at this point in time. But you can weigh in. At 204-780-6868, or you can feel free to shoot us an email either to brett at cjob.com or gmac at cjob.com. But uh, pretty eye-opening stuff there, Mac. Well, I would say, you know, quite often when somebody lays things out so methodically, it is that summation that is the most powerful. Time to smarten up and take an outcomes-based approach. And I think that points back to the comment you made about, you know, if these derelict buildings and these properties were left to sit like this in in certain parts of the city, would it be allowed to continue? I don't think it matters where this is happening. The the, the residents surrounding these vacant properties, these derelict properties, these neglected properties deserve the same service as you or I do. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg for the rest of the week, filling in for Hal Anderson. Just a quick reminder, we're talking customer service this morning. We're asking you to tell us a story about good customer service for a chance to win yourself some tickets to see Jagged Little Pill. And this is crazy from Jonathan. A wonderful example. He says, I was shopping for computer parts at Memory Express. While paying, apparently I dropped 20 bucks on the floor. After I left the store, an employee found the cash and they looked at the camera system and their register records to see who dropped the money. They called me up to let me know I dropped $20 and that they had applied it to my account. I could return to the store anytime and either get my cash back or just use it as a credit on my account. Talk about going above and beyond for 20 bucks. Love that story. We used to have acronyms for everything in the restaurant business a GBTE was going beyond the expectation. And that is absolutely going beyond the expectation. You find 20 bucks. Huh? My lucky day. I love the, I love the impact that, that going to that trouble will have on Jonathan's relationship with memory express. I think it's outstanding. Yep. So great story, Jonathan and great customer service from memory express 204-780-6868. Keep those stories coming for a chance to win tickets to see jagged little pill. We're going to pick a winner at nine 15. Now in this day and age for just about anything, there is an app for that. For example, I mentioned last half hour listener, Cindy, Point out because I was talking about how I hope it doesn't get up to 50k win today because I want to go golfing. Uh, and she said there's an app called Windfinder that I use and it's almost always accurate. So I downloaded it. It's nifty. Thank you for that, Cindy. I didn't know there was such an app uh, just for wind. But hey, if there isn't an app, there's usually a video tutorial or a helpline. So how about this one for confused Canadian? Campers, as we make our way towards the May long weekend. That's right. You can now call Scouts Canada for tips to quell your camping calamities. Volunteer scouter Mike Eibel joins us now on the start to discuss this potential stress saver. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you today? Doing really well. So the scout, scout motto is be prepared. But, you know, no matter how good a camper you are, inevitably we forget something at home or there's a skill we once had which leaves us. Tell us what type of answers we can get at one scout 101 
Absolutely. And of course, while Scouts Canada is all about being prepared and planning ahead to anticipate challenges, this kind of call-in line is designed for exactly that. Campers who are caught in a calamity and maybe are a bit clueless, uh, and they can call into the line to kind of figure out some of the hot tips or some of the hacks or tips that uh, uh, we as scouters, as well as our youth, have put together to help you know the average Canadian as they're braving the outdoors. And this might be something like your tent pole has snapped right in the middle of a camping trip what do you what do you do uh, or, or perhaps uh, a park ranger is asking you to use a thunder box and uh, you don't know what they're talking about so whose brainchild was this to come up with this helpline well, last year we surveyed uh, uh, Canadians and uh, asked them about their camping competencies and really, you know, how strong were they in the outdoors. And much to our surprise, um, there was a lot of lacking information in our in our general Canadian knowledge bank. Uh, and so we really tried to respond to that and think of what are the things that happened when, when you could go out camping that could potentially ruin your camping trip um, and then turn them around so that camping, even in inclement weather, like, you know, hopefully not 50K when you're golfing this afternoon, um, but when the weather changes or when unexpected things happen, how can you make the best of it? Thunderbox. What is that, Mike? <laughs> a thunderbox is actually my favorite way to go poop in the woods. <laughs> it's, oh, my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if it was associated, but I thought, nah, couldn't be. Here Absolutely. we are. Absolutely. So if you've got the luxury of a full-fledged flushing toilet and, and running water, you are glamping, my friend. But if you get into the back country, a little bit away from running water, there's usually uh, the park or, or, or the place that you're camping at will usually provide either an outhouse, which is you know essentially a thunderbox with walls. But when you're way out in the bush, a thunderbox is uh, essentially just a, a plywood box with a hole at the top, uh, and you get you know the, the, the wonderful vista of nature uh, as you answer its call. <laughs> I love the positive spin that you put on that. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I may never do certain things the same way ever again after that, Mike. I appreciate that immensely. Uh, the popularity of scouting and the popularity of camping overall, is there a correlation there or both on the increase? Both are definitely on the increase, especially as we're coming out of the pandemic. We're seeing that that you know, Canadian youth are are were in a period of of, of immense isolation, uh, stuck in virtual space, and really getting outdoors and connecting with with people, right? I mean, Scouts Canada, we're a human organization. And so when kids connect with kids, they build up their social skills, they build up friendships, uh, as well as for volunteers. Our volunteers connect, you know, parents connecting with other parents and youth connecting with other youth, really building those social skills. But then through these awesome adventures, going outside and challenging ourselves, you know, successful scouting looks like confidence being built in youth as they tackle challenges and succeed. However, successful scouting also looks like when we take a challenge on and maybe we're not so successful, we fail safely, but that builds resiliency within youth. And, and as they do this together as a team, they really come, up, come away with it with uh, uh, incredible social skills, confidence, resiliency, and of course, they could uh, uh, definitely you know, teach a few things about camping in the wilderness. Our guest is volunteer scouter Mike Eibel joining us live to discuss the Scouts Canada helpline for campers dealing with calamities. The phone number for that, once again, is 1-844-SCOUT-101. And Mike, uh, are Scouts co-ed now? Absolutely, yeah. For 25 years, we've had uh, we've had been a co-ed organization. And uh, yeah, we're absolutely inclusive to uh, uh, all all folks uh, from whatever walk of life that they uh, they come from. 
So uh, I was talking to Jeff Braun yesterday in our newsroom, and and he was sharing his story of going to the to the Jamboree, the Scouts Jamboree, and. Prince Edward Island, and I want to say it was like back, oh, 20 plus years ago for Jeff. And he says it's one of the great experiences of his life. Do you still do that? We do. We do. Yeah. They're actually, this uh, uh, this coming year, I'm not sure the date of it, but we've actually got a world jamboree happening where there's scouts from all over the world that are coming to uh, um, uh, South Korea this, uh, uh, this year, which is going to be phenomenal. It looks like it's going to be a very, very cool camp. But we also do these things locally, kind of nationally, council-wise, kind of throughout the different provinces, but as well at the local level, right? Scout groups will come together and do awesome camps, uh, uh, even on a small scale. So it's all about connecting and and bringing youth together and challenging uh, 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 in outdoor adventure space. I know that there are more than two knots because scouts taught me so. And so other than learning like uh, 37 different knots, what else can I learn in Scouts? Uh, give us the 30-second elevator pitch to consider putting our kids in, in Scouts. Absolutely. I'm, I myself know five knots, and I'm pretty confident with them. So I, I don't try to get to the 37 level, though I know some folks that are that, that do. Um, in Scouts, it's, I, I think there's, there's definitely certain skills that we bring, bring out in youth. Uh, we've got nine outdoor adventure skills from paddling to swimming to sailing to, uh, you know, scout craft and pioneering building stuff. Uh, but those are kind of the, 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 the tactics or, or the pieces that kids learn from a skill set of it. Uh, through doing these adventures and through challenging themselves, really what scouting is all about is that confidence, that resiliency and, and learning how to kind of work with other people and, and develop you know, lifelong friendships. Uh, and again, the memories. Uh, you mentioned, you know, 20 years ago in PEI at a Jamboree, that, that sort of experience sticks with somebody for their entire life. And that's really what scouting is all about. And, you know, whether it is outdoors or whether it's an indoor program or even something in a local park, um, the skills are a way for us to do something so much deeper. So regarding the Scouts Canada helpline, you, you referenced the situation, an instance where you might be using a thunderbox and out way in the woods somewhere or in the distant land. And, and I'm wondering, what if you're in a, in a spot like our, our boss here at Chorus Winnipeg, our Supreme Chancellor, he, he takes pride in the fact that he will not reveal his camping location because he's found some spot on the edge of a lake in the middle of nowhere. And it looks gorgeous, but I'm guessing he probably doesn't have service out there. So... How does that work for trying to get a hold of you if you're in a a tricky spot for phone service? Well, so I would definitely uh, uh, encourage folks to call the helpline beforehand. Um, and as I said at the top, Scouts Canada is all about being prepared and planning ahead. And this scout line is definitely available right now if you're in your living room with the comfortable flush bathroom next to you. Um, and so if you are in a pinch and you do have cell service and maybe a tent pole has snapped or you're wondering what to do with that gray water, uh, the dish water afterwards, because you want to leave the environment as, as good as you found it or better. Um, so if you do have cell service absolutely those tips are available for you um, and if you don't have cell service or you know you're going to a place where you wouldn't be able to call a helpline in a camping calamity uh, you can certainly call it ahead write some notes down and maybe see what you know or maybe challenge yourself with what you don't know to learn a few things along the way uh, my favorite with the thunderbox or, or if you don't have a thunderbox there's another method called the cat hole method and uh, without getting too graphic on uh, uh, for breakfast here uh, I'll let people google that but uh, the important tip there is if there's leaves of three not after you pee 
Gotcha. Gotcha loud and clear. Mike, we did not connect with you yesterday, and I knew it would be worthwhile to make sure we connected today. I want to thank you so much for your passion, what you do for scouting, and uh, appreciate your time this morning. Absolutely. And if folks don't want to call in, they can hit scouts.ca slash camptastic hotline for the videos, the tips, and everything in the, the comfort of the internet. That website once again? Scouts.ca slash camptastic hotline. Volunteer scouter Mike Eibel joining us live on 680 CJOB to talk about the Scouts Canada Camptastic helpline. And the number for that line is 1-844-SCOUT-101. Again, 1-844-SCOUT-101. The cat hole method, do I really want to look this up? Well, (laughs) you've had cats in your house, right? (laughs) Yeah. They sort of like to uh, make a little bit of a divot to do their business. And then what do they do right after? Bury it. They bury it. Although, well, not always. My Maybe cat, not yeah. always. Yeah, my cat the, Frankie liked to. He like he liked to. He was a rebel, up. right? He he. Well, he liked to uh, sort of announce it. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it's like oh, like you can just tell Frankie's been busy. That I got to go clean that up before it gets worse. We want to tell you about a couple of awesome contests and we can tie it into what we're talking about today with customer service because this pl- these places are renowned for their customer service. And these are places where, Greg, if, if left unchecked, left to your own devices, just left to, to roam freely in these places, I suspect uh, they would very quickly consume your paycheck, your life savings, your children's future education, uh, because I know how much you love these places. If it was up to me, Chorus would just directly send my paychecks to this gentleman. And then I just have like credit uh, to buy stuff at one of his incredible stores. Lux Furniture Company at 120 McPhillips and Lux Barbecue Company, two locations, 1290 Keniston. I used to drive all the way across the city before his second location opened. That's how much I love his store. But now I just don't have to go that far. 33 Stapleton, that's just a pitching wedge off Nairn, where the Jollibee is on Nairn Avenue. We say good morning to Phil Squarey. Phil, good morning, my friend. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Doing really well. We'll tell you our listeners about these incredible contests in detail in a moment. Well, one is uh, Mominations, so you can imagine this has to do with uh, honoring your mom. And then the other is Hometown Heroes, frontline workers, first responders, caregivers, and other role models who make a difference in Manitoba. And Phil's uh, put the full weight of Lux Barbecue behind these two contests. But we want to talk to you, you know, we've been talking about customer service all morning and the fact that... Uh, Better Business Bureau says the negative comments are up. It's still about 70% of comments are positive when it comes to business. What are you seeing right now, Phil? Like, are, are people, uh, are are they pickier? Are they looking for more value right now as their dollar seems to be going less far? Yeah, you know, I, I think value is always an important thing for the customer. I, I You know, they want to make sure they're getting uh, a good product at the uh, at a price that's reasonable and reasonable in the market. You don't want to be overpaying for a same price or or uh, you know trying. And in our case, obviously, you don't want to be comparing uh, lesser quality product to, to the stuff that we sell. So yeah, they're they're looking for value, and you know it's not always about the cheapest price, but it's about making sure you have a competitive price, and if not the best price. Like a lot of our stores, we do guarantee best price on what we sell, so it makes a little bit easier for the client to uh, to shop with us. 
Well, and I would imagine as well, like with, you know, some of the stuff that you, you that you have is, is premium stuff. And if you're, if for a customer like me, if I spend any amount of money on anything, I always find myself sort of questioning, am I making the right decision here? Uh, am I going to have buyer's remorse? Did I spend too much money? But so it's, I would amount, imagine it's paramount that while those customers are there, that you make them feel as special and, and important as possible so that they feel confident that they've made the right choice. Yeah, Brett, you know, I, 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 there's there's two sayings we have in our companies, uh, and they they resonate deeply with me because it's the kind of person I am when I shop. And I always say to our our teams, is anyone can open a box and put product in it and sell it. Like anybody can do that, um, but it's the service they get and the experience the customer has when they're in your store that that changes it. And the other thing we always say is we guarantee there's going to be problems. There's always going to be problems, not with every order, but there's always going to be problems. And it's how you deal with those problems and make sure they're dealt with that make you a good business. So, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you always want to have an opportunity to fix problems. Uh, and most of the time you're given those, obviously. But and that's why I think people shop locally with local businesses, because you can buy so much of this stuff on a national stage now online. But the experience you have when you come into one of our stores and hopefully other local businesses is that you're going to have a better experience. You're going to pay a competitive price. And if there's a problem, they're going to take care of it. And that's where we focus all of our customer service initiatives. And Phil, I've always felt as though, you know, when something falls down in the process, it's a genuine opportunity to really create an evangelist on your behalf. Because if things go smoothly, they don't see how well you can solve a problem. There's sort of a positivity to it, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the initial shock of a problem sometimes, depending on what it is, is, is overwhelming to the customer. And we just have to reassure them that we're going to take care of them. And, yeah, you're, you're totally right. It's, it's, a, it's an opportunity to, to, I guess, build a cheerleader uh, on your side when you take care of that problem and how you handle it. So, you know, we always look at it as a positive. Um, we don't want problems, but, you know, no. we can't. Yeah. But when they do come up, we take care of them and, and hopefully have a customer for life. And usually that's how it ends up being. All right, 23 degrees today. Brett's going to be hitting the links. I'm going to be hitting links of a different sort, sausage links on my (laughs) Weber in my backyard. Just talk about the idea of gas versus propane barbecues, the popularity of smokers versus that traditional propane or natural gas barbecue. What are you seeing right now? Well, you know, I I do believe that propane and natural gas barbecues are, well, not just believe, but the the evidence is there. They're still the number one seller. But over the last few years, especially of the pandemic, we've seen a huge spike in, in wood cooking, charcoal cooking, people spending time in their backyards with close friends and family and, and entertaining around those type of smokers. So while we still see the biggest uh, sales in the gas sector, we are seeing huge growth in the other ones. And I think that all comes down to experience and flavor of food. Um, and and just the enjoyment of spending time with friends and a little bit more of a conversation around those pieces. So we've got two awesome contests right now at cjob.com, courtesy of your organizations from Lux Barbecue Company. We've got Hometown Heroes, so frontline workers, first responders, caregivers, and other role models who make a difference in Manitoba. That's what Hometown Heroes is meant to highlight, where you can go to cjob.com, you nominate a hometown hero, and then you could win a $4,500 thank you gift from Lux Barbecue Company, including a Traeger smoker and accessories, along with $500 in rubs and sauces from Lux. Mr. Mackling, 
You know more about this stuff than I do. This is a good one, yes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> How can I win? <laughs> is there any way? Is there any any way that that, that can be the case? No. Uh, as Phil just mentioned, it, it, there's a lot of taste difference, I think, with with regard to the smoker versus a barbecue. But the, these Traeger smokers, they're, they're, they're something else, aren't they, Phil? Yeah. You know, there's so many different brands of wood pellet smokers out there. Traeger obviously has the biggest brand. They're kind of the ones that started it all and got it going and they've done a great job building it over the years. So, you know, it's almost like Kleenex, you know, it, it's not a, it, they have the name down so people can say Traeger, but they might be referring to a wood pellet smoker, but yeah, flavor is, is pinnacle on these. Um, and the experience is great and honestly pretty easy to use all, all in all, but yeah, we just wanted to have a contest that just thanks some of the most important people in our cities. And I think heroes, as you guys know, come in all shapes and sizes and different walks of life. They don't have to, you know, drive around the city with red sirens and blue sirens, but they do as well. Uh, but, you know, these are for people to nominate um, what they consider heroes. And, and we just wanted to give back. And we just thought it was a great opportunity to do so. And the biggest heroes in a lot of our lives are our moms. And so listeners can nominate their mom in our other comment, uh, contest, rather, momonations at cjob.com. And they will uh, enter to win $5,000 in outdoor furnishings and a $1,500 shopping spree from Lux Furniture Company. And we'll announce that winner coming up on May 12th. Phil, thanks for this. Thanks for being such a big part of the CJOB family and always being willing to uh, share the, the behind the scenes of your business that that I know so many people in Winnipeg uh, appreciate patronizing. Yeah, well, we can't thank you guys enough, and it means a lot to us as well. So thank you for having us. Phil Squarey joining us live on 680 CJOB from Lux Barbecue Company and Lux Furniture Company. So again, hometown heroes. Go to cjob.com and nominate a hometown hero. We'll pick a winner for that on May 8th. And then Mominations for Lux Furniture Company. We'll announce the winner for that May 12th. Again, Lux Furniture Company at 120 McPhillips, Lux Barbecue Company, 1290 Keniston, or 33 Stapleton. Your good customer service stories for a chance to win tickets to see the Broadway award-winning musical Jagged Little Pill coming to Winnipeg in October. And uh, once again, an impossible task today to choose just one because we had so many amazing stories. So our runner-up, Greg, is Rose P. Best consistent customer service by far from Rose. She says, my son Jonah has autism. He has always hated haircuts. He has high sensory needs. He dislikes the buzzing of the clippers, anyone touching his head and the noise and commotion of a salon. He's nonverbal, so he also doesn't understand what's happening. Through the years, it's always been a struggle going to a hairdresser, which has led to pinching, running away, bothering other clients, etc. Well, we meet an angel, we met an angel a little while ago named Buck, who owns The Hive. He now closes his shop just for Jonah. So that Jonah can come get his hair cut in peace. We wait until Jonah gets more comfortable and Buck will cut his hair anywhere in the shop, on the floor, in the washing area, anywhere Jonah settles. Still not easy, but Buck's patience has slowly helped Jonah talk about customer service. This pure kindness means that means more to us than Buck could ever know. Wow, is that an incredible story, Rose? Yeah, that's fantastic. And the hive, by the way, is at 175 Osborne. They're right in Osborne Village. Our winner, though, is Melanie White, who says, best service I ever received 
was from a WestJet employee in Montreal. My daughter and I returned from Morocco. We were exhausted when we landed in Montreal. We waited and waited for our luggage. It never came. Turned out it never left Paris, where we had changed planes. We were so late that it seemed impossible to catch our connection. and We needed some kind of a paper to say that our luggage was not just left there. And a woman from WestJet appeared took hold of us, almost literally, got us the papers we needed, and called ahead to the plane, ran with us to security, moved people aside, yelling, "Get let let these people through, they must get through. She explained to security, and they didn't even check us as a result of that. She then had my daughter race ahead to the plane to tell them we were on our way. My daughter arrives in tears to the plane, Unable to breathe, I finally arrive, and the whole plane cheers, and home we go. That woman was our hero. Wonderful stories, both of you. We, we quite literally needed to flip a coin on that one. So, Melanie, you're on the right side of this, and we'll also take that opportunity to redirect you and encourage you to go to cjob.com. Brett, for which contest? Mominations and hometown heroes, frontline workers, first responders, caregivers, and other role models. Go to cjob.com to nominate a hero, and we're going to pick a winner for the Lux Barbecue Company package and on May 8th, and then the Mominations package for Lux Furniture Company Friday, May 12th. The winner shall be announced. Our next guest is a regular contributor to The Start. Now, we typically introduce him as Major General Retired Scott Clancy. Clancy served in multiple squadrons of the Royal Canadian Air Force and the Canadian Armed Forces as a tactical helicopter pilot. As a Director General on the RCAF staff, his responsibilities included all personnel, operations, logistics, infrastructure, and strategic planning for the entire RCAF His last years of service saw him as the deputy commander of the Alaskan NORAD region and finally director of operations for all NORAD in Colorado Springs. His 37 years of military experience leading and mentoring multifaceted teams in the U.S. and Canada have resulted in a book on leadership and coaching. And by the way, he also spent several years in our city. I think the number is four to be exact. We'll double check that with our guest. He's launching a book entitled Developing Coaching Leaders, The Fundamentals and Techniques That Make Leaders Extraordinary. He's also hosting an hour-long workshop on coaching, mentoring, communication, and it begins at 10 o'clock, June 27, and he wants you to join him. If you can, we'll give you the details later on this morning. Let's say good morning to our friend Scott Clancy. Good morning, sir. Morning, guys. How are you? Doing really well. I think we're catching up with you in St. John's, Newfoundland, or at least on the rock, yes? I am on the rock on Fogo Island at the phenomenal Fogo Island Inn. What is going on there? Are you just taking some uh, rest and relaxation? My dad was just there for about 10 days hunting icebergs. Are you doing the same? There's icebergs right outside the main window. It's phenomenal to see. We're actually here spreading my father-in-law's ashes on the little Irish town of Tilting. Uh, He passed away a little while ago during COVID. Oh, that is uh, that is uh, just a heartwarming and, and just a, a wonderful sentiment, and and of course condolences to to your entire family on that. So let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about mentorship. Let's talk about the communication that's involved to to not only be a leader, but I, I would suggest create future leaders, Scott. Well, I think you're bang on with the idea that leaders don't just happen; they are not character traits. They're taught and learned skills. And 
too many of our good and bad leaders that we see don't really know why, and we need to give them the skills so that we can continue to learn and build better leaders and coaches. By the way, uh, it's Brett here. I made the mistake of looking up this Fogo Island Inn, and now I'm supremely envious of uh, your loca- your current location. <laughs> it looks extraordinary. But um, one of the things that I'm curious about when it comes to leadership is, and you can probably speak on this uh, through, you're also, you've done coaching and basketball, but if you're a leader and you lose the room, whether it's in sports or at work or wherever, if you're a leader and you lose the room, how do you fight your way back from that? Well, so uh, that's a great question. You know, it's, it's all about trust. If you have an authentic relationship and you've developed that through the connection with the people that are around you, you can make mistakes. You can, you can, you can, I've screwed up. The book is full of not my examples of how I did things great, the better examples of where I messed things up. But by being straightforward, by communicating clearly and honestly, you'll develop the trust that you lose the room for a second. Okay, guys, I, I think I messed that up. He's got it right back. There's, there's a bunch of tips and hacks in the book that, that walk you through kind of those skills and then give you some of the self-awareness to know when you've messed up, which should relate to confidence to just admit that mistake so that the team can get back together. The communication style and that ability to connect, give us some tips on that because just because you have a certain way of delivering a message doesn't mean that the ears and the brains associated with learning and implementing uh, the advice that you're giving uh, are, are tuned and, and programmed the same way. And I, I think that's always been the biggest challenge. I see it with my kids, Scott, you know, they, they, they'll often ask me, why is everything a lesson dad? And, and uh, I'll, I'll make analogy analogies to, you know, sometimes you just have to do it because I say so. And I'll explain to you why later. And they're starting to pick up on that, but still it feels as though I'm delivering the message incorrectly. No, and I don't think you are. So look, I have an analogy with respect to communication, and it is, it's like building a bridge. You own your side of the bank, you're building the bridge. It could be a simple stone bridge or a complex, you know, lift bridge or whatever it is, but the listener controls the far bank. Listening and communicating... Our part and parcel and listening is the hardest part. And it's not just once. You have to continuously listen. I would say that by you delivering that message and then getting to the point where, okay, you just need to do what I'm telling you to do because you'll figure out that it's right. You're blending the coaching part of communication where it's iteratively listening to those kids and saying, okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying when you're saying why, but, you know, at the 10th time, it doesn't really matter. Just do what I'm into the leading where it's, okay, I'm going to tell you what right looks like. Just do it enough times and you'll realize, oh, that actually is the smartest way to do things. But you can't convince anyone else unless you ask them good questions and then listen to their answers because that's the most active part of communication. When you're in a role of leadership, if you, you and you talked about the importance of, of admitting that you've messed up, but if you're in a role of leadership, is it, do, do some people make the mistake of, of thinking that by admitting that they made a mistake, that that's a, a, a sign of potential weakness? So I, I've heard that a lot, especially, you know, I mean, I worked 37 years in a highly intensive military environment where 
admitting mistakes might seem like uh, not knowing what you're doing and, and could instill a lack of confidence. Uh, my experience with the most seasoned operational forces, you know, and I've dealt with special forces uh, and in NORAD in extraordinarily tight timelines. Everybody is learning by always being on the end of learning, but never being afraid to be decisive and make a decision. And there's a blend between those two things. And you're going to have to gauge as a, as a leader and as a coach when the time is there to act and be decisive versus when those times are to, to continuously engage. And I would say unless you're forced into that time-sensitive, decisive engagement, then the answer is really you're always asking, you're always trying to learn. I always like to say the more perspectives that you can get, the better informed that decision is going to be. So for me, you know, I, I think that these things blend very well. And, and coaching people through these things, even in the tightest timelines of NORAD, you know, I experienced my commander asking questions, you know, when he had mere seconds to make decisions, trying to get that last piece of information that would give him the right perspective to work on. So when we talk about mentorship and we talk about communication and we talk about leadership at the top of that communication pyramid and that back and forth, where does trust fit in? I know you've mentioned the word, but how close to the top is trust? So funny enough, it's the first concept I handle in the book because I think it's fundamental to everything else that comes forward. And, you know, I started writing the book and I didn't realize until I started getting into the, to the back end and the back end of like 40 chapters, going back and going every single chapter related back to that foundation of trust. How difficult it is and how nuanced it is. A lot of people just say, I'll either trust you or I don't. And I don't think, you know, when you pull the string on that, I don't think people actually believe those things. I walk through a lot of things to make distinctions between levels of trust in the book, but I think you've hit on that. If you can't go through those honest, authentic things to develop and maintain trust with your teams and with people individually, then everything else is a leader. It's just going to be like slogging through molasses. 37 years of military experience in a leadership role. Also, you coached your boys' basketball team. So curious to know who's more difficult to command. Is it the military personnel or the boys playing basketball? Well, you know, I'm going to give you that blended, it's both, uh, answer to that. <laughs> I've never really thought through that. But here, here's why I think both. Uh, one, the military experience that I had, you know, dealing with sending troops into harm's way in extraordinarily tough circumstances, whether it was, you know, Haiti or Afghanistan, Bosnia, or, or, or even in the NORAD experiences with, with the kind of risks that we had to take with forces. That's extraordinarily tough. I found it very emotionally draining, especially near the end of my career. Uh, and that added a, a lot of complex and nuances to what you're doing because the consequences could be so high. Now, on the flip side of that, coaching basketball with youth and the the honor that it is to be able to develop these young men and women to be able to be their best and and to give them life lessons and then it's your own kids like my own boys who i just love beyond words so there's an there's an emotional connection to both what i would say is the book is about my kind of revelation that there are two different things leading troops and coaching but in both spheres I realized I was leading my, my son's teams and I was coaching my military teams. And the book is about kind of the nexus between those two things. 
Baked Expectations, uh, your favorite place for dessert in your four years here, Scott. So we'll give them a shout out. And uh, also uh, this opportunity for folks to connect with you uh, via the internet uh, coming up on June 27th. Make the invite. Oh, yeah. And so this is a VIP invite for your listeners. Uh, What I want to do is on the launch day, when the book actually comes out on the 27th of June at... uh, 11 o'clock in the morning on uh, at Eastern Daylight Time, I'm going to have a workshop that focuses on coaching, mentoring, and communication. We're going we're gonna to cover those three things, give some really good tips and hacks, only available to those people, your listeners, and everybody else is going to have to buy an advanced copy of the book to get their invite. So send uh, one of us an email, brett at cgob.com, G-M-A-C-K-A, gmac at cgob.com, and we'll we'll get that li- link to you courtesy of Scott Clancy. Uh, I'm looking forward uh, to this uh, seminar. It begins at 10 o'clock our time, right after we get off the air, June 27th, and we always appreciate you joining us, uh, Scott. Thank you for this. You guys have a wonderful Winnipeg day. Scott Clancy joining us live on 680 CJOB, retired major general and the author of Developing Coaching Leaders, The Fundamentals and Techniques That Make Leaders Extraordinary. Once again, the book launches on June 27th, and that's the day of that workshop. And as Greg mentioned, if you want the link, shoot us a note, gmac at cjob.com or brett at cjob.com.